Hello there. This is the Untitled Film Project podcast, in which we talk season one, possibly more, of Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Disney Plus series picks up after episode three in the movie series, in which Obi-Wan Kenobi has made a home for himself on Tatooine and is in living his quiet despair, uh, thinking that he has killed Anakin Skywalker and uh, is just killing time, working at a factory, hiding out from what is the Sith Inquisitors who are trying to root out the final Jedi in the universe. So let's go over a few of the things that we know when we enter this show, okay? These are the things we absolutely know. There's the, the, the challenge for the filmmakers is to make it dramatic, even though we know these three things. Okay. Yes. We know that Kenobi lives because of a new hope. Obviously we know that Vader lives because of a new hope. And we know that Luke lives because of a new hope. So regardless of what you're coming into this, whether you've seen rebels and clone wars, whether you haven't, whatever entry point you have into the Kenobi series, you know, those three things, Kenobi lives, Vader lives and Luke lives. So, Let's go ahead and just start off with our overall thoughts of this entire series. And going into that, I'll preface this with, dear God, can we get toxic fans for Marvel and Star Wars <laughs> that want to judge an entire freaking series after two episodes to talk about, well, I just, you know, don't like the pacing of the series so far. Or, well, I just don't like this character and what the point even is of this character out of the way. Because if you look at what Disney has been doing with these six-part series, they're basically breaking down our acts for us. Two, yes. two, and two. So if you have a problem with the pacing after two episodes, be gone with you because there's so much more to explore. And when when you hold on, hold on, hold on. When when you look at what Obi-Wan did. They had so much to explore and so much left to be explored because now we don't know if there's going to be a season two or not. There's so much that still could be explored of what did Obi-Wan do in between the end of this season and A New Hope. There's so much that could be done, whether we call it boring or not. They can they can retcon things if they want to, which they did a couple things potentially. Uh, but but what we what we got with this was we got a, an adventure that we didn't expect. And that's what I liked overall about Obi-Wan is introducing Leia as a child and getting that because we didn't get any of that in the trailers or the previews. We got something completely different than that. We got the Inquisitors. Like there's so much tied into this that they have to make sure they're aware of to not fully retcon things or, and also to tie things in as well. Also some fan service, but episode six to tie it all together overall with the series, I was satisfied. I was fulfilled. I got a lot of things that I wanted. There's still more to be desired. And I think that's why people are like, oh, they only said season finale instead of series finale because there is potential for more to be explored. Gover. This is my Jedi mind trick to get Bradford to shut up. And he's not shut up. So clearly I'm <laughs> No, no, because I was only talking for 45 seconds. You're like, I know, hey. I understand that. I, I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to get to the point where we're, we're telling people that there are spoilers in this show. Okay. You have they to should know there's spoilers. I know that. Know, but I just, if they don't I, know there's spoilers, that's on them. Why would I we talk about Kenobi 
after the season finale releases, you'll be like, oh, you know what? We're going to do a spoiler-free episode in 40 minutes. That's on, that's on the listener. Okay. It's only fair to the listener that there, that there are spoilers here. So please they watch read all the six episodes. Too. They should also do that. But the, how many people really do that? So if you watch all six episodes in their entirety and then listen to our podcast. Okay, now that's out of the way. Oh, I can't yeah. believe there was a spoiler. Oh, how did I not well, know? I'm just, I'm just saying. So let, let's talk about what you think real quick. I know we're going to get to all, we have all kinds of notes and stuff, each of us, but real quick, what do you think? Cause you use, you use the word retcon and I've heard that over and over and over again from people throughout this series. But now that the season is over, what do you think was retconned exactly? Very minor. I have to hear this. It yeah. Was the, it was the late well, interaction course. where in her message in a new hope to, nope. to, to Obi-Wan. No, don't don't give me that. That's no. why I say it's minor because you're telling me that as a ten year old she doesn't remember her interaction. No one's saying that she doesn't remember it. Listen to the words she uses in the message. Years ago, you fought with my father during the Clone Wars. That is true. She never says I've never met you. She never says we don't have a history together. She never. Uh, she is asking. You're saying by him, element of omission that they didn't do a slight retcon there. Absolutely not. It's all about the language. Okay. She never says, I didn't meet you. We didn't, we never spent time together. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you look like. Blah, 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 blah. She never says any of that. It's not retconned. You don't but, think there'll be more personal type of message? I'm, no. I'm going to have to jump in and say that, uh, you know, Princess Leia as a 20 year old sending a message to Ben Kenobi in A New Hope, uh, there's a possibility that message could be intercepted. So for her to be somewhat nebulous about the relationship and uh, who's seen who before and who is related to who is actually a savvy move by the adult Princess Leia. Yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it because oh, the, em- Jimmy, the Empire- I think you're onto something. No, the Empire, are, the Empire already knows everything they need to know about Leia. They know her home planet. They know everything that she, they know she's an Organa. Don't roll your eyes at me, buddy. Oh, you just no. trapped yourself, Mr. Bradford. They said they know she's an Organa. They don't know she's a Skywalker. But still the fact that they don't that know they, everything. They don't know. Oh, my God. You guys are nitpicking the crap out of this now. Again, I did not have a problem with it. That was the minor thing I'm not that saying I you said. Did. I'm, not, okay. I'm not saying you had a problem. I'm simply saying that I've heard this, oh, they're retconning things. No, they're not. I want to hear somebody tell me something that they've actually retconned. And I don't mean a line that is actually that when you go backwards, when you make a story backwards, you have to be careful that you're not. Don't mansplain to me. Retcon- <laughs> so you're mansplaining to me. Uh, I, we all know what they have to accomplish in this. We already established that. <laughs> I was simply saying after I already enjoyed what they did with Leia, that they obviously have to tiptoe a little bit. And that's been a discussion topic for for worthy reasons. So that's why we're discussing it right now. So I understand your perspective on that. But there's a reason why it's being discussed because that of all things, minor or not, that is one of those little things that is being discussed is what she said in their previous relationship. Right. And people are wrong. What's the next thing? Okay, let's go on to the the bigger things instead of the smaller things uh, so that we don't have to have uh, Jeremy Gover (laughs) put his hand up to the beast that is Justin yeah. Bradford, like Chris I'm not a Pratt velociraptor, is, geez. Yeah, he's calming okay. down a raptor. 
<laughs> this is becoming a running gag on this show. There's always going to be a Jurassic Park reference of some kind on this show. Because Gover's going to use his hands on a radio show. Right. <laughs> so uh, the big themes of this show are, I believe, emotional in such a way that, uh, I mean, obviously there was terrific action, but we have people here that have given us a, an emotional bridge as to why they are the way they are in Star Wars A New Hope uh, that we never had before. Uh, we have, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is torn by the fact that he believes he has killed Anakin Skywalker, even though he needed to do it. And it has wrecked him. And we have an obsessed Darth Vader trying to hunt down Obi-Wan Kenobi out of revenge. And we also have Leia coming into her own and understanding what it means to be a fighter. And I think she already had it going into this uh, series. Uh, we see this girl was born with it. And we have an obsessed third sister, which I think we all knew early on, like there's more to story there, that she had to have yes. been a youngling. There was more to that as well. So this Gover, is uh, Reva, the uh, Reva, the yes. Sith Inquisitor, yes. So Gover, just so I can drive discussion here, Gover, what were your thoughts on the third sister and just her character arc and how they closed with her based on what we thought after the first few episodes? I absolutely loved the Reva character. Uh, I am hoping, I know a lot of Star Wars fans are not, which kind of upsets me, but uh, I am hoping that she gets a spinoff series. Um, I think it'll help explain the end, which I know we'll get to later, so I won't ruin it here. Um, but I, I loved her character arc. I loved the fact... I, I loved what they were able to do with her in six episodes. I'll put it that way, okay? They only had six episodes to work with. I really liked her character a lot, so much so that I will make sure that I get her Funko Pop and get it autographed. That's how <laughs> much I love that character. That's the seal of approval for it Jeremy Goldberg. That's a very elite class. <laughs> that I, that I'm, yes. I'm willing to drop that kind of that money. that costs money, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. money right there. Yes. Jim, overall, with, with your thoughts on her character, because I think aside from the Kenobi-Vader interactions and even Leia, that was the main talking point from most people, toxic or not, was the introduction of, of, of Reva and her character because we didn't get much Grand Inquisitor that we thought we might get because of the trailers that right. he was quote-unquote killed and then brought back, which like, well, we know he's not dead because that would be a retcon <laughs> from Rebels. <laughs> and that's why people like, they killed him? Like, they didn't kill him. He's 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 in later, please. They didn't, they're not stupid. They didn't retcon <laughs> Grand Inquisitor. So Jim, your thoughts on Reva? Uh, I love Reva, and I will not address any of the toxic culture on the internet right. about her. Let us just ridiculous. It is. It is without merit. You can talk about her character all you want. Uh, I would like to applaud that character. I thought she was one thing. Her motivations were revealed to us, and there were surprises after surprises after surprises in her character. And to be able to do that in Six episodes, I think, is a major accomplishment, and I believed her at every step of the way, even though I was incorrect, because I didn't know the whole story. How many times have we watched, at different stages of our lives, how many times have we watched a Star Wars project of some kind, and the acting hasn't exactly been great? 
right? Quite it's often. been fine. It's been acceptable, but nothing like, oh, really, really great. So those performances stand out in the Star Wars universe in particular for me. Moses Ingram brought a real professional actor approach and delivery to the screen. And it just, and I, and I will say, I probably would not have liked the character as much if it was a lesser actor. I'll be very honest with that. I, I loved the way it was written. I loved her delivery of it, obviously. But, you know, there were elements of it that were a little bit predictable for me. And if it's a lesser actor who doesn't sell it as hard every single line, I might feel different. But I overall, I loved it. So what what I enjoyed the most was seeing her arc of emotion. And you especially began to see that with her interactions with Kenobi, that we, we started off with her with rage because there was rage and hatred to desperation where she's really actually hunting vader where when kenobi realizes that in the discussion they have between the cave wall yeah you realize what her motivation is even more so and then when it flips the script on her and vader's like we knew all along <laughs> and then the, just a drain of emotion from her face and what she goes through to the very end where she is fully conflicted and you feel that that conflict within her which we unfortunately didn't get much of from Hayden Christensen in Revenge of the Sith <laughs> because True. of the awful writing. It wasn't his fault. I think it was the writing that he was given. So you bring a, an actress like Moses Ingram into this to show that conflict of emotion. And she's able to portray that so well in episode six that she literally doesn't know what to do. The character does not know what to do with Luke, does not know, is so conflicted and finally makes the right choice. And to see that emotion and relief on her face when she interacts with Obi-Wan after she makes that choice. And he says, no, you made your choice. That's what I liked about her arc is because she delivered that so well as an actress. And whether you like the script writing or not, which this was obviously way better writing than what we got in right. prequels and everything. Truth. That, that she gave it even more, like Gober said, because you have an actor of her quality portraying this this character as well so that that's what i enjoyed the most was seeing that full arc of emotion throughout the series uh, so speaking of the prequels i i, I want to tip my hat to uh the fact that they they use the prequel clips to set up the series yes and i thought that was a very yes. brilliant way to do that because they were able to do it in like what two minutes i mean it seemed like yeah. it was you know uh, and it was so fun to see those clips and hear that dialogue again even if you're not a fan of the prequels to you have to educate the audience in your story or mansplain it, as Bradford would say. Uh, <laughs> or so re just thought, refresh us. Right. Yeah. yeah. So as I, to I those thought, things yes. that if you weren't a fan of the original you know, trilogy, uh, you have pushed a lot of that out of your head because yes. you weren't happy with it. But you needed to be brought up to speed. And they did that in two minutes at the beginning of the series and perfectly laid the table for what was going to happen in this six episodes. And what they also did was they set up the Inquisitors well for the audience who'd never seen Clone Wars or Rebels, the animated shows, right? So you have these animated series that ran forever. Uh, I did watch them in their entirety once Ahsoka made her on-screen, her live-action on-screen debut in The Mandalorian. I was like, I have to go back and learn about this character because I'm going to be so mm -hmm. behind, right? So right. I took, I invested the time, and I will tell you, if you have not watched Clone Wars or Rebels, it is an investment of time. It is long, Okay. But uh, Rebels in particular is a masterpiece. Rebels is so absolutely good. amazing. It's so great. So that being said, is they, they brought the audience who, do, who hadn't bothered, like myself, a year and a half ago, 
who hadn't bothered watching the animated series. They brought the Inquisitors in. They set up set it up perfectly with dialogue and intimidation in that opening scene. They explained everything to the audience while also explaining to that character, you know, the barkeep or whatever. So I just thought that was very well done as well because I was wondering from the concept art and from the preview that we got, this short little trailer that we got, I was wondering how they were going to, were they just going to let it be a thing and assume everybody knew or were they actually going to explain it out and they did it flawlessly. Deborah Chow deserves big, big props for that. She has created something pretty impressive. Something I haven't felt in a Star Wars film since Rogue One. Something with, with weight and gravity beyond uh, the, the original trilogy and the final trilogy. Uh, I just didn't feel it like I did with Rogue One and with the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney series. Princess Leia, Vivian uh, Lyra Blair, I thought was so perfectly cast and gave us such a wonderful essence of Leia with her sassiness, her wit, her her confidence, her also her emotion, and what we saw throughout the series of how she's able to connect to the Leia character and really bring her forward on screen of what a young Leia would be, which is rebellious, which is confident, which is sassy, which is sometimes putting herself in a position that may not be the best, but she's gonna power through it. Uh, but also showing love and emotion and care and, and empathy for those around her, which is what makes her into a great leader and a great general and a great leader of, of the resistance and of the rebellion overall too. That you see that so much in a 10 year old portrayal on screen the one issue and this is not her fault was the chase scene in the woods was god awful it was um, pretty bad through <laughs> the choreography with that but her as a character was fantastic on screen and it made you feel like they're channeling it and then even more so is in episode six when we got leia's theme played yeah what made it it made me tear up a little bit because i just started thinking of carrie fisher and everything too and just her character and how i feel like carrie would have loved the sassiness of what Vivian is able to portray on screen for the Leia character. Your thoughts, guys? I'll just say that Leia stole the first few episodes for me. Uh, first of all, I didn't see it coming because in the trailer, right. all we got was Luke fake driving the the you know the, <laughs> the fake piloting on his homestead on Tatooine, and so I thought, oh well, of course Kenobi is going to be protecting Luke. That's the whole like, of course, right. it's going to happen. That's what's gonna, it's going to bring him off world or whatever, but it's still going to be him protecting Luke. So then for Leia to come on screen. That was just like, whoa, like it was just such a cool curveball, but it made perfect sense. You know, it was just, it was amazing. She was great. The chase scene was terrible. If I go back and re-edit this film, I'm not going to, but if I go back and re-edit it, I'm taking that whole thing out. I'm just letting her, letting them kidnap her right at the back. She's been kidnapped. so unnecessary (laughs) and it was so poorly done. Like a little kid's not gonna be able to outrun three adults, let alone you know, they're, in the woods. they're running into branches of trees that are stopping yeah. them dead. Cold. Oh, come on, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's like, it's like in a bug's life. <laughs> a leaf. We're going to go around the leaf. Yes, we can do this around the yeah. leaf, everyone. Oh, no, a willow tree branch. I can't possibly move. I have to go around. Give me a break. <laughs> I'll tell you, if I was going to submit for an awards show, uh, one clip of little Leia, uh, it would be where she is yelling at Obi-Wan and she's telling him, 
I've been kidnapped, I've been chased, I've been thrown off a building. And she perfectly encompasses that sass that you get when Luke comes to rescue her on the Death Star. That like, absolutely, like, who are you that you even think you're rescuing me? And I thought that was just a a wonderful, uh, you know, ode to the original trilogy and what would be a grown-up Princess Leia. All right. So we haven't even talked about Ewan McGregor much yet, but to jump in, let's go ahead and give our thoughts overall the series, including Ewan McGregor and especially the finale. Go over, you go first. I know we all have notes, so we all need to have our time to give our final thoughts on this season of the series. So go over your thoughts overall on Ewan McGregor and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I like how he was disheveled to make it look like Sir Alec Guinness, but I, I was a little, I was surprised at how well kempt he was at the end of the, at the end of the season. Uh, I really thought that may have been a miss. I don't really know, um, because again, he's he's got to look more like the disheveled old man, the weak old man. At you know, ten years from now, right? Ten years from now, he's got to look like Sir Alec Guinness, and they didn't seem to pull that off very well maybe in season two they do i don't know whatever but for me i thought you and mcgregor was great it was awesome to see him back um it was great to see hayden christensen back because you do see hayden christensen and uh yes. I, I just thought i just thought it was overall really really well done you know it took me a little while uh because i uh, i think you know i like many fans did not realize that this you know season needed to be judged after it was over because it was an entire movie or three-part act and when i finally saw that that was playing out that way my appreciation for it just kept growing and growing uh i absolutely loved the way they they tied some bows on some things that were unraveled and not revealed before the series ian mcgregor was terrific uh, he always gives it the weight that that character needs. He gives it uh, the uh, that nod to Sir Alec Guinness, which is never easy, uh, where you believe, even though in 10 years he's going to get much, much older and feebler. Uh, that was my only real problem with the series, uh, is that I don't know how he's going to get there. I thought he was going to maybe in the fire when he's fighting Darth Vader, I thought, oh, maybe that's going to make him older, weaker, feebler in just a short amount of time. Uh, it did not, but uh, I thought he was terrific. Uh, I thought that Hayden Christensen's, uh, the working of him into uh, this series to show us how Obi-Wan knows him so well. They had kept having those practice duels with an earlier Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker before the dark side took over. And you are shown in many ways that those duels were the things that gave Obi-Wan an advantage in his duels with Darth Vader in this series, because he knows him so well from that familiarity. So uh, the way they infused that I thought was terrific. And finally, we have closure for Obi-Wan Kenobi, who believes he killed Anakin Skywalker. Darth Vader says, no, you didn't. I killed him. And you have almost relief 
from Obi-Wan Kenobi. So those were the emotional moments uh, that just really made this series soar. What I enjoyed about this series was we got to see the rediscovery of the Force with Obi-Wan that we didn't get as much explored with with Luke in the sequels. From being disheveled and gone from the Force and even being able to wield a lightsaber and how to use that, how to fight, how to use the Force to your advantage, how to do so many things that from episode one to episode six, we got to see Obi-Wan rediscovering himself, which made available for him to see Qui-Gon again at the very end. I mean, there he was there, like Qui-Gon yes. said, he was there the entire time, but it was up to Obi-Wan to rediscover himself with the Force to be able to see him. And so that was the whole, I don't want to say it's not coming of age, but coming of Force with Obi-Wan throughout this, this season. What I enjoyed about the season finale was we finally got to see Obi-Wan back in his Obi-Wan stance. Uh, those that are familiar, we have the two fingers pointed forward and in the lights were going back. Uh, we also got to see him fully use the Obi-Ani strike again when it comes to the lightsaber battle. I'm going full nerd here. And that's what made him overpower Darth Vader in that fight scene so much too. They realized how powerful Obi-Wan was with the Force and how good of a battler he was with the lightsaber and with the Force. And so I love that interaction there too. But again, it leaves you feeling, we know they can't, but it's like, Dude, just finish him. Either one of them, just finish him. <laughs> Vader had the chance to finish Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan had the chance to finish Vader. It's like, guys, I know you can't, but please, somebody. Uh, but <laughs> They can't because did, then it would be a retcon. I, I know, I know, I know. But but that's what I enjoyed was that overall was, was his arc. That's what I enjoyed about the series too, is that you see that transition happening. Did you see him discover his one with the Force? We have a lot to go over with this show, obviously, and we only have so much time to do it, but I would love to kind of go around the room here, go around the horn, if you will, and just kind of go over everybody's like one-off notes. So we've, co we've covered Ewan McGregor, we talked about Moses Ingram, we talked about the character of Reva, we talked about Leia's impressive performance, like all those things, but we've got obviously some leftover things. So Bradford, if you don't mind starting, give me some leftover notes that you had, just some kind of one-off things that we can t kind of banter about, because I want to make sure we get them all in. Sure. So one thing for me is I'm glad we got James Earl Jones back as the voice of Vader. That was really cool. Hayden Christensen was pushed so much for this series, and we really only got very little of him, which I think is okay because it's Vader costume and it was only going to be using flashbacks. I think some fans were expecting more flashbacks, but I think it was good with what they did. Um, and that it was just good to see him back in the role and after how much hate he received, after the prequels and everything too it's good to see him back and the fans loving him and wanting more from him so it'd be curious to see what is able to happen with him as well but i'm glad we got to see him back on screen and in their their flashbacks um it was really cool to see o'shea jackson jr jimmy schmitz um kamal nanjiani i really thought the casting was done really really well Camille nanjiani i think uh deserves a lot of praise for this because uh, first of all, I'm I'm a fan. I think he's terrific. Uh, if you've never seen The Big Sick, you've never seen, I think, uh, a side of Camille Nanjiani that is, uh, that is heartwarming and touching. And I thought when he first came on, he was a comedic relief character. And he definitely was. I loved his story arc because he didn't just stay in that, uh, hey, isn't it kind of funny? I'm pretending to be a Jedi. 
he actually progressed along emotionally to want to be a real Jedi and do what a real Jedi does. And he did that by slowly, over the course of six episodes, becoming a different person, which I think is the strength of this whole series, is that we have found that you can, in just a few episodes, you know, really transform what we think of a character and, and show us how they grow and become something else. So uh, hats off to that. My only nitpick is really, you know, if you do the math and you say, okay, we have a 10-year-old uh, Princess Leia in this movie, I'm still wondering how Ewan McGregor is going to age and become that feeble as Season a two. Uh, as a yeah, as a desert uh you know recluse um that was the only problem i had with it i was so pleased with this series and i urge everyone consider it as one long story that just happens to be interrupted a few times yeah, that's so. happening i think in great britain they're actually they're actually doing that at a theater showing it all in one at a movie theater I was like, bring it to the U.S. I'll go. I would bring love it. that. Yeah, I'll pay for it. Yeah, I'll I would it. see it. And that's what we're doing here on this show is we're making it one big movie, right? We're not trying to yes. do each episode and all that. We would do one movie. We're all Star Wars fans. It made sense to do that. Uh, so the con by Haja Estri is incredible. It's just amazing. Uh, the way they set it up, the way they did it, it's so true to life. It's really, really great. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, sometimes people get annoyed by what they view as forced representation we we've, we hear that quite a bit right you know people are just oh really they have to do that, all this stuff but tala's character who we haven't really talked about too much tala is actually representation on screen for leia a 10 year old yeah. leia watches tala help and uh and, you know and, and keep an undercover persona which helps define her character that we've known for literally 45 years now she, you can see how leia is looking up to her you can see how she's a, a model citizen for leia how she conducts herself so just as the clone wars and rebels helped inform us of anakin's turn to the dark side which i appreciate the prequels way more after watching clone wars and rebels this show in those three episodes actually helps inform us of Leia's character and where she's at when we find her in A New Hope right off the bat. I, I thought that was one of the triumphant uh, things of this series as a whole. My favorite moment, and it wasn't ever expressly said, but I thought about it even on my first viewing from the couch, when Vader shoves Obi-Wan down in that pit, he stands over him and has a who has the high ground now, bitch moment. I yeah. That was absolutely tremendous. But he doesn't say it. It's not called upon. It's nice. It's nice and subtle. I just thought that was really, really neat. So, yeah. Uh, and then my and then my last thing, which I thought it needs to be said, I was going to leave it off the list, but it needs to be said now that I read my notes. When Vader's mask breaks and you can see Anakin's face mm -hmm. through it, I thought that was obviously tremendous. But again, if you haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels, I think it was Rebels. If you haven't seen Rebels, Ahsoka does that. And what I found uh -huh. was interesting is it was the opposite side. So yeah. Obi-Wan, it's symbolic of Obi-Wan being the leader, being like, you know, that he was the master and Anakin's the Padawan. Whereas Ahsoka breaks his mask on the opposite side. And that was because Anakin is the master and Ahsoka was the apprentice at the time. It was, it was, it was the Padawan at the time. With, uh, with Jim on the aging part, another minor nitpick. Uh, while I'm glad they brought back the original actors, from the prequels for Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, you again look at 10 years down the road, it's like, 
boy, all these folks seen some shit. Like in ten years, I actually believe I actually believe the Uncle Owen one more than I do the Obi Wan. Yes, yes. He's, he's he's rougher. He plays it now. He doesn't have as big of an arc, of course, but he he's rougher. It's almost like Owen is um the character is pissed off. He's a farmer on Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, and but Amberu, I mean, the age no, in ten. Yeah, no, I, I agree that with that. one. Yeah, just, because yes. it's ten years. You're right. But again, but, it's a, but I, suspend belief because yeah, it's okay. Sure. It's okay. Let's because just say that they don't wear sunscreen on Tatooine. <laughs> and this is what happens when we don't take care of our bodies, people. I hate or, sand. How about scores? What did we think of this season? Hopefully the first of many. Uh, let's go to Justin Bradford first. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go 7.5. I thought there were some, some minor things like that chase scene. And those minor things kind of tick away for me from it being perfect because when you think about how well done the first season of the Mandalorian was that's yeah. kind of what I hold a lot of things to now and the Mandalorian to be so high for me so I can't put it on the same pedestal there with Mandalorian so 7.5 I think it's still a very strong score it's very positive overall I thought they did it well I thought Ewan McGregor was fantastic in it I hope they explore more so I give it an eight uh it scratched all the itches that I had for the original trilogy I thought it was done really, really well. I thought the storytelling was really great. I, and I got characters in this one that I want to see more of. The prequels yeah. didn't really have that for me as much. So, I mean, you know, it was a good story. And I go back and watch it now. I like it a lot better than I did when it first came out. Uh, but overall, this is a show where I thought, yes, there were a couple of glaring absences that I would have liked to have seen. Uh, there was no solo movie crossover. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I thought for, I thought for sure Obi Wan would run into Chewbacca or something because you know how does he know him in A New Hope right like he never says right. it's obvious that Han Solo and Ben Kenobi never met but Chewbacca there was no Rogue One nod which I know it's ten years before Rogue One I get that but I thought there would be some sort of like uh, maybe maybe Galen Erso helps Obi Wan Kenobi off that Inquisitor build I mean so, something like that I thought there would be something like that uh, and then of course Obi Wan meets Luke at the end. I did not care for that. I I wanted it to be more. I, the hello there line was hilarious, obviously, but I would have liked to there to have been more mysteriousness there, more like oh he's just an old hermit, because that's what they say sure. in New Hope. So it would have been nice if Luke had never really met him. But overall, I give it an eight because I loved it so much. I can't wait to go watch it all the way back in its entirety again. Just take a day and go boom, boom, boom. Just knock them all out in order. I really want there to be a season two. Uh, overall, I loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. That's the bottom line. I know I'm rambling because I'm there's so many thoughts in my head, but uh, I loved it. <laughs> I thought this series was terrific. Uh, you know, I loved The Mandalorian. Uh, my only problem with The Mandalorian, and very few problems with it, was that each week it seemed to be kind of like, okay, Mandalorian needs something. He's got to go get something for somebody else, and then he's going to get another thing that he needs. <laughs> And that was my only quibble with The Mandalorian, because otherwise I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm giving Obi-Wan Kenobi an eight and a half. I was delighted by this series. It satisfied so many things that I needed to see in this space between, uh, you know, episodes three and four. And I think they gave us just enough to entertain us, give us some real meat but there is so much more to be explored. So while you thought maybe that uh, Jeremy, that you thought 
well, they could have put this person in or they put it, could have brought this character in. I think they left so much room for us for this series to grow that I can't wait for the next one. So my eight and a half is with a smile and a thank you for doing this justice. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you know that we always have a topic and we kind of put one together for this special Kenobi series episode. However you're listening, whether it's on Spotify or YouTube or whatever, please get in touch with us and let us know what you think because I want to talk about our favorite non-original trilogy character. So anybody that appears, even for a millisecond, in the original trilogy, (laughs) four, five, and six, does not count. You can't pick Bosk. And you can't pick Porkins. It's got to be somebody outside. <laughs> no, I'm ruined. The original, the whole the original world just trilogy. Said, no I want a chucherones. <laughs> and, and by the way, that does count. And we're talking about Star Wars canon here. Okay, so sure. that does count. It's, uh, Clone Wars, uh, Rebels, obviously the prequels, the uh, you know the 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 J.J. Abrams trilogy at the end. Like it counts all that stuff. So if you've got somebody, I'd love to hear it. And Bradford, I'm gonna put you on the spot, and you go first. Okay, K2SO. That's my oh, excellent choice. I love K2SO. And I mean, Alan Tudyk being the voice actor behind K2SO is a huge reason behind that. But what I love about K2SO and what that character accomplishes in one film is an arc for a droid and how it is. It does what it's told, but has its sass turned on because of the inhibitors being turned off and so much (laughs) sass, but also learns about what's important and about protection and about what's right and how he fights for the rebellion and protecting uh, Jin. Uh, and so it's, it, that's why I really love the character because you feel like you connect with the droid in just one movie that you feel sorry for him when the droid is killed. And that's why I love the character so much because we got so much out of, the, out of one droid in one film, plus fantastic voice, some great one-liners from K2SO throughout that as well too. So that is my choice. Uh, mine is real simple and it's an easy character. Poe Dameron. Love him. Uh, you need somebody who has that, that Han Solo, you know, rogue-esque, uh, you know, kind of uh, character. He is, he's brash, but he's a different character. He made it all his own. Oscar Isaac is one of those people that I think every time he inhibits, uh, inhabits a character, uh, that he makes it uh, bigger, more believable and enjoyable so his ace pilot character uh i think was one of the most enjoyable i think most steady characters in the final trilogy mine is not a cop-out because it's she's probably my favorite character in the star wars galaxy and that's ahsoka tano i fell in love with rosario dawson's portrayal of her obviously in the mandalorian that one episode of the mandalorian i was like this is so intriguing i gotta know about more of this character so i go back and i watch clone wars and rebels and from a young Padawan to somebody who grows up is on the cusp of becoming a Jedi, a master Jedi, but is, is wrongfully accused of setting up uh, a, a crime on Coruscant. And then she's offered her position back when she's acquitted of the crime for her to turn her back and say, I don't believe in this anymore. When she could have taken the position just out of selfishness. She worked so hard to get there. Sure. She could, you know, she could have all just would deal with the emotional baggage later. But instead, she's like, "This is not right. I'm turning away." 
I love her so much. And so I, my choice is Ahsoka Tano. I think there's a whole lot of fans out there that are oh, going, yeah. yes, you mentioned, you said what I was going to say. I'm really glad I didn't say Ahsoka because it was between Ahsoka and K2, so I went a little bit more fringe. So I'm really glad I didn't take that from you, Cover. especially because And I am first. also glad you didn't take that from me. <laughs> So let's end this episode of the Untitled Film Project podcast by saying, please bring the entire Obi-Wan Kenobi series so far to theaters. Let's binge it on a big screen and have some fun. Uh, If anybody else out there has their opinions about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, or you have a favorite non-original trilogy character from our big question that you'd like to tell us about that hey why didn't you mention them well then you need to contact us on all the socials justin bradford how do they do that well you go on social media and you type in untitled film project and we're gonna appear everywhere or you just go to linktree you go to our twitter and you click our little link in the twitter bio and then it gives you all the links to everywhere you can subscribe to us everywhere you can follow us everywhere you can watch us even so go and do that thanks thank you for listening to the untitled film project podcast to support the show please rate review follow and subscribe original music by jeremy schwartz Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.